I want to read from Matthew 21, verses 1 through 10. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage of the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and He will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? May God bless the reading of his word. You know, I love seeing the kids come in the sanctuary waving those palm branches. You know, I was talking to my children. They don't do that anymore because they're older. You know, the younger kids get to do that, but uh, they can remember doing that as well. But I love seeing them do that because it kind of gives us just a small glimpse of that day when Jesus rode into Jerusalem. And you saw this uh, crowd, you know, spread their, their cloaks on the, on the road and lay down these palm branches as Jesus entered Jerusalem and rode past them. And, and, you know, this wasn't just a subtle sign. It wasn't just kind of an underground sign of something to, to come, but it was a very visible public display of, of support and surrender to the coming King. I mean, they were recognizing Jesus is the King. And they wanted a king. I mean, the people wanted someone to come into Jerusalem and to remove from their shoulders this weight that they perceived was due to Roman oppression, right? They wanted someone to throw off this weight of Roman oppression and bring in a kingdom like King David's kingdom and King Solomon's kingdom. And so they laid down their cloaks and they laid down the branches as a sign of support and surrender to King Jesus. And they were right to do that. They were right to acknowledge Jesus as King. uh, Because Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, I mean, He was a miracle worker. He did great things. And they saw those things. They've heard of those things. Uh, He is a miracle worker. He has all the credentials, you know. He's all the credentials of the King. Of the Kingdom of God. However... You know, when some of those people, and I don't know how many, but perhaps some of them, and and Floyd alluded to it earlier, when they laid down their cloaks on the ground and they laid down their palm branches, uh, they were supporting and surrendering to a king other than Jesus. I mean, Jesus was walking by, or riding by, I might say, and they were acknowledging, yes, Jesus is the king, but really, they were surrendering and supporting a king of their own imagination, a king of their own making. And we know this, just like Floyd mentioned, because in just a matter of days, the crowds went from yelling Hosanna to yelling crucify him. 
And I'm not saying everybody did that, but surely some did. And so some were willing to support and surrender to Jesus if he ruled in a way they wanted him to rule. They were willing to wave the palms and shout Hosanna as long as Jesus performed the way they wanted him to perform, right? I mean, we're all about Jesus when Jesus is doing what I want him to do, is basically the bottom line. And I just wonder, as I was thinking about that, I wonder what I would have done. I probably would have been waving the palm branches, laying down my coat, you know, taking it off, put it down. But I wonder, when Jesus started walking down the road to the cross, if I would have remained surrendered to the path that He was blazing. You know, have you ever wondered that? I wonder if this is true of us as well, that we are supporting and surrendering a king of our own making rather than King Jesus. You know, another term for king is Lord. It refers to one who rules and reigns. And in the Bible, in the New Testament, Jesus oftentimes is referred to as our Savior and Lord. Ed prayed it when he would pray for our offering. He said, you know, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, Savior is a title that is given to Jesus that encompasses all that He did for us in dealing with the problem of sin. You know, sin separates us from God. And so all that Jesus did to deal with sin is encompassed in that title, Savior. He saved us from our sin. But the title Lord encompasses His right to rule and lead the people of God in the accomplishment of the will of God. You see, Jesus both redeems and rules. He does both. Not one or the other. And to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus, means that you have been saved from sin to serve a Savior. Right? Yes, we've been saved, but we've been saved to serve. Serve a specific person. We serve a Savior, serve Jesus. And for some of us, you know, I, I think we understand and accept the truth that Jesus saves us from our sin. I mean, the more you know yourself, <laughs> you know, you realize that we have a sin problem that we cannot overcome on our own. And you read the scriptures and you realize, okay, God is holy, He's perfect. Uh, and he despises sin, right? And so the only way for me to be reconciled to a holy God is to have my sin problem dealt with, and I can't seem to deal with it on my own. The Bible's clear about that. And that's why God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to deal with our sin problem. And we're marching toward Easter. We know, okay, Jesus went to the cross. You know, why did Jesus go to the cross? Because we could not deal with our sin problem on our own that this, this issue that was separating us from God was dealt with through the cross, through the death of Christ. We know that. Uh, we know that God so loved the world. He loved us so much that He gave His one and only Son so that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. We know that. Jesus is Savior. At least most of us know that. And if you are just learning that, I pray that you'd embrace that by faith. You know, Jesus came to save us, to give us eternal life. He came to make us right with God. He has done everything necessary 
Jesus has done everything necessary to put us in a right relationship with God. And all that we have to do is place our faith in Him. To trust Him. To believe in Him. To accept this gift that He gives us. And the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, most of you understand that. I know that because I know you. We've talked about it. Most of us understand and accept that truth. But as we look at this passage of Paul, you know, referring back to that Palm Sunday where Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey and these people were yelling, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He's you know, referring to Jesus as this king that is coming. I wonder, I wonder, do we know what it means that Jesus is not only our Savior, but also our Lord? And now, when I say Jesus is our Lord, I wonder what ideas come to mind. Because we really don't use that term much, right? We don't use the term King. We don't use the term Lord, right? Because we are very, we are a very individualistic, self-autonomous, self-expressive country, generation, people, right, as Americans. And so uh, this idea of a, a ruler, someone who reigns, someone who's in control, uh, a, a, the Lord, uh, I wonder what ideas come to mind. Now, I would imagine that because you're sitting in the sanctuary, perhaps more positive ideas come to mind because you probably think about Jesus, you probably think about God, and so perhaps positive ideas come to mind, but Here's what I want you to consider. Every person in this room, every person on the golf course today, every person at home watching television is being controlled by something. Okay? Everyone is being controlled by something. And what I mean is that every person is serving something. And the question is, who is your Lord? That's really the question. Not do you have one, but it's who is it? What is it? What are you serving? Who are you serving? You know, who are you laying down your cloaks for? Laying down the palm branches for? Because everybody's doing it. It's just a matter of identifying who is it? What is it? And for, so for most of us in here, we would say Jesus is our Lord. Whereas others may say that, no, I am the master of my faith. I am the captain of my soul. Right? I am my Lord. Maybe they say that. Maybe you've said that. Maybe you say that now. But consider this. When you come to a fork in the road, when you come to a fork in the road, how do you determine which road to take? And those that claim that they are the captain of their soul they will find that they will choose the road that most aligns with their Lord. It will most align with the one they serve or what they serve. Now, perhaps their Lord isn't Jesus, but let's say their Lord is pleasure. If their Lord is pleasure, if the idea of pleasure is what controls them, then when they come to the fork in the road, they're going to take the road that is promising the most pleasure, right? And so they're being controlled by the Lord of pleasure. Or if their Lord is money, then when they come to a fork in the road, they're going to take the road that is going to lead to 
the most opportunity to gain wealth. I mean, that's the way, that's, that is how their decision-making process is working. If their Lord is popularity, then they'll take the road that will lead to the most followers, right? The most cheerleaders. That's how you make your decisions. If you really want to be liked by the most people, when you face those forks in the road, those decisions you have to make, you will make that decision based on who your Lord is. What is lording over you? What you serve. Pleasure, power, money, popularity, whatever it may be. But you see where I'm going with this. You know, the, the people that were laying down their cloaks and the palm branches were fine with Jesus coming in and being the king and leading them as long as he led in a way that lined up with what they wanted most. But once they saw that Jesus was not taking them down the road they most wanted, they picked up their cloaks and yelled, crucify him. And you and I can do the same thing. I want you to think about this. Have you ever been in a situation, a fork in the road, where you knew that Jesus wanted to take you down this road, but you wanted to go down the other road? I mean, we've all been there. We've all been at those forks in the road. We know Jesus because we, he, we, he said it in His Word, this is the way He wants to take us. But we really want to go down this road. And we've all been there. And when we choose this other road, not the road that Jesus is leading us down, but we choose the other road, yes, we, re, we are rebelling against the Lordship of Christ. There's no doubt about that. But what we're also doing is we are revealing who our Lord is. We're revealing who we are truly serving. And you could simply say it's self, and that's true, but what is it? Why are we going down that road? What is it that we believe that this road will give us that Jesus will not? And so it reveals who our Lord truly is, or at least the Lord we're following at that moment. Now, I will say this. Now, whether you go down one road or the other has no bearing on the fact that Jesus is Lord. Okay? Jesus is Lord whether you follow Him or not. I mean, God the Father has granted Jesus all authority in heaven and on earth. We know that in Matthew 28, 18. We know that Jesus upholds the universe by the word of His power. And he, the book of Hebrews tells us that. So whether you acknowledge His Lordship or not is really irrelevant when it comes to His position and His, his authority. Okay, he, he is the Lord. Whether we submit to it, surrender to Him, acknowledge it, has no bearing on His position and authority. But what does change when we choose to acknowledge His Lordship in our life and follow Him, what does change is our experience of the life that He offers. It doesn't change His position or authority, but it does change our experience of the life that He offers us. So when we choose to go our own way, even as Christians when we choose to go our own way, we miss out on some of what God offers us in Christ. You know, Jesus is not like some of the rulers we know. You look around the world, you look at rulers that are just simply self-interested. I mean, they just 
rule for what they can get out of it. They have no concern for people and the welfare of people. But that's not how Jesus rules. Jesus is a perfect ruler who leads his people into the full and meaningful life. The abundant life, he says in John 10.10. And so what this means is that when you follow Jesus down the road that he chooses, the Bible says that you will find peace that passes all understanding. The Bible tells us that we will experience the joy of knowing that we are God's children doing God's will. The Bible tells us that we can experience a contentment in knowing that God has us where we are. God has given us certain gifts and abilities and resources. And there can be a contentment with that because we are the Lord's. There's also a deeper realization of God's love for us as we walk down this road of surrender to Christ. There's a deeper realization of the love of God for us and the love that we now can offer to those around us. I mean, this is all found on the, on the journey, on the road that God leads us down through the Lordship of Christ. Yeah, I was listening to Tim Keller. He's one of my favorite preachers. He was teaching about the Lordship of Christ, and he said something at one point that I believe sums it up well. He was saying, like I was mentioning earlier, that you know, everyone's controlled by something or someone. And then he said this. He says, Jesus is the only one who can control you without destroying you. I thought, what a great truth. Jesus is the only one that can lead you, control you, without destroying you. Everything else, if you follow it or them other than Jesus will ultimately bring destruction. Only Jesus can bring you into the fullness of life and life the way it's meant to be experienced. Jesus tells us He came to to give life. And so, you know, we'll all face those, those forks in the road. And, you know, when you face a fork in the road, you only can see down it so far. Right? And so on the front end... The road may look great. It may look like, yeah, I know Jesus' word tells us to do life this way, but man, look at this road. It looks so wide and nice and paved and looks wonderful. If I can just go down this road, I'm going to get all that I want. But ultimately, it leads to disappointment. And it doesn't satisfy. But the road that Jesus leads us down leads to life. He came to give us life and life to the full. Now it won't always be easy, right? We know that. We know the road that Jesus leads us down will not be easy. I mean, look at this week. We're celebrating Holy Week. What road did he walk down? Crucifixion. We know putting self to death, pride to death is not going to be easy. It's a fight. It's a battle. It's a moment by moment struggle. But when we follow Christ, when we face those forks in the road, it won't be easy, but it'll always be right. And so to help you wrestle with this truth, I want to leave you with four questions that you can ask yourself and then a story. The four questions are questions that Tim Keller gives uh, for helping Christians uncover you know, what may be keeping them from following the Lord in every area of life. This is the first question that I want you to ask yourself. And this is a, this is a great question, okay? So don't forget this one. Don't let it just go in one ear out the other, okay? Just 
think about this question. And here's what I would even challenge you to do. Think about this question in a specific situation that you have maybe found yourself in or could possibly find yourself in. Here's the question. Am I willing to obey whatever God says about this area of my life no matter how I feel about it? That's a good question. Am I willing to obey God in this area of my life no matter how I feel about it? You know, this this question helps us evaluate whether we are putting God's word above our feelings or not. You know, what is Lord? Who is Lord? Is it our feelings? Or is it Jesus? The second question is, and this is a very difficult question as well. Am I willing to thank God for what has happened even if I don't understand why? This is a hard question. This is a difficult question. Am I willing to thank God for what has happened even if I don't understand why? And this this question acknowledges two truths. One truth is that we can't understand all that God is doing. we, We just... His ways are not our ways. There's a limit to what we're going to be able to grasp. There's a, li- there's a limit to what we're going to be able to put together. And so some things we're just not going to understand on this side of heaven. Why this happened. The second truth that this question reveals is that God is ultimately in control. And His Word tells us that He works all things for the good who love Him. And our challenge is trying to square those things. I don't understand why this happened. And yet, I know you're at work for my good. And we can't seem to put those puzzle pieces together. And the point here is that if Jesus is your Lord, are you willing to say, even though I can't place the pieces together, I'm going to thank you, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to walk with you, and I'm going to submit to you. The third question is, is there anything in this area of my life That I am relying on more than God for my hope and meaning in life. Is there anything in this area of my life, whatever area that may be, that I'm relying on more than God for my hope and meaning in life? And this question, what this question is going to do is it's going to help surface some of the Lords in your life. You may be following and submitting to, surrendering to, other than Jesus. The fourth question is, are there problems and limitations in my life? Are there problems and limitations in my life that I think are too big for God to remove? Are there problems and limitations in my life that I think are too big for God to remove? And what this question helps surface is a misbelief I may have about God. It's a good question to help surface these false beliefs that we may have about God that keep us from following Him. Because if I believe that God can't remove this, can't address this area of my life, I can't trust Him with it, I can't depend on Him to deal with this issue, then I'm not going to take it to Him. I'm not going to walk down this path that Jesus is going to lead me down. 
as it relates to this area. So it's a good question to surface some false beliefs I may have about God. So these, these four questions may help surface those lords in your life that you're bowing down to, that you're waving your palm branches to and following. And they also may surface some misbeliefs you have about God. And as these things surface, I want to encourage you, take these to the, to the Lord. Confess these sins to God and ask Him to help you move forward with Jesus down the road that He's leading you down or wants to lead you down. And finally, Elizabeth Elliot once told the story about a beggar and a king. A beggar was sitting at the side of the street with his hat outstretched asking for money. And then he noticed the king was coming with his whole entourage and he's saying, oh, this is my lucky day. This is the king. He's coming. How can the king refuse to give me something? And so he stretched out his hat, but the king, instead of giving something, asked for something. And the beggar was a little surprised, a little shocked, but wanting to be a loyal subject, he looked in his hat, kind of fished around, and found two small coins and gave it to the king. The king smiled as he took the coins, and then he dropped two diamonds into the hat. And at that moment, the beggar realized what had happened. Considering what just happened, he, and considering his own reluctance to give, the beggar thought, oh, I wish I would have given him all the coins. <laughs> I should have given him all the coins I have in my hat. He would have given me all these diamonds in my hat. And the point is this. You know, in this story, we are the beggars. Jesus is the king. And yet we hesitate to give ourselves to him. We hesitate to give every area of our lives to him. Why? Because we think we're going to miss out. We think we're going to lose something. How can I give this to the God? I mean, what if I miss it? What if, what if God squanders it? I mean, is that what we're thinking? And the, it's a great story because it says, you know, we give of what we have to God. And God leads us down a path of great wealth and abundance in this eternal life that Jesus gives us. Now, it may not be literally diamonds now. <laughs> we know that. But it is that, that road I was telling you about earlier. It's, it's eternal life. It's forgiveness. It's peace. It's contentment. It's joy. It's love. These are the treasures that God gives us in Christ. But how often do we hesitate to give Him every area of our lives when in reality he would be gain, we would be gaining something of much greater value? Yeah, I love to see the kids. I love to see them bring in these palm branches. I mean, it kind of gives you somewhat of a glimpse of Jesus you know, riding into Jerusalem and them lining the sides and laying down those, those branches. You know, and it's, a, it's a great picture of these people surrendering to his leadership. And I wonder, uh, you know, what about you? Are you willing to surrender to Jesus' leadership in your life? Now, he's not asking you to lay down your coat and wave a tree branch. He's not asking you to do that. He's asking you to actually do something a little more radical than that. You know what he says? Take up your cross. Follow him. He doesn't want just one day of celebration. Some, some festivity where you, you know, wave a branch and show a support of Jesus. He doesn't want just kind of a one day show. He wants your life. 
He's asking you to take up your cross and follow Him. He is our Savior and our Lord. He is the one who saves us from our sin. And He is the one who leads us into life. And the question is, will you follow Him? Let us pray. Father, thank You for this passage in Scripture that shows us how people responded to Jesus as He came into Jerusalem. How they shouted a true statement that He is the King. That He is the one who saves. But Lord, we acknowledge that uh, we don't always understand the road that Jesus is going to take us down or wants to take us down. And we also acknowledge and confess that we don't always want to go down that road. And in fact, we sometimes even go down our own road. And you know that, Lord. You know our tendency is to wander away from you. Thank you for your forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the fact that you never give up on us, even though we can be faithless at times. And thank you that you offer this path, this road, that leads to abundant life, that is filled with the fruit of the Spirit and lasts for eternity. Lord, I pray even this week, as we all face these forks in the road, that we follow Jesus as our Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.